0: Welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts, I'm Erica. I'm Abby, and today our editor Bryce will be joining us. Hey
1: guys, thanks for having me.
0: Today we're gonna tell you about the murder of 26 year old Karen Waltz. So grab your cup of coffee and let's dive in. Our story begins with an intense and fast paced relationship. In June of 1987, Karen Waltz was a 26 year old massage therapist in Lake Worth, Florida. She was working at a country club when 36 year old Dr. Scott Robin Rawson came in because he was having back problems from falling down the stairs a few weeks prior. They immediately bonded over their love for fitness. Karen had always been very avid in working out. She liked to do Tai Chi, ballet and swimming and friends and family reported that she would even walk at least 10 miles a day.
2: That's a lot of walking, especially with all the other
0: stuff that she's doing. Yes, definitely. I don't typically walk 10 miles a day. Karen was 5'3", and described as strong and agile, yet very quiet and gentle. She was known to not be aggressive whatsoever. Scott was a Bronx native, and he followed in the footsteps of his father, earning a chiropractic degree from a college in Marietta, Georgia. His love for fitness was represented through his multiple memberships at health clubs and he also loved to golf and ski. The two fell in love right away and they were engaged within less than a year and insisted that being together was the happiest either of them have ever been. On February 4th, 1988, they drove to Vegas and got married for $25 in a civil ceremony, which sounds really rushed and fast, but I actually know a lot of people who get married within a year and it works out. It's
1: not terribly abnormal.
0: Yeah,
2: my parents got
0: married after five months and they're still married 25 years later. And how many people get married in Vegas? Probably a lot.
1: Like nine or 10.
0: Hopefully by Elvis. (laughs) Oh, all by Elvis. They decided to take their honeymoon on a cruise that went around Mexico on a cruise liner called Stardancer. This is when things started to go awry. It was reported from other passengers that they were fighting often. They went into great detail about how Scott was upset with Karen because she didn't know which fork was the dessert fork and oh caused boy. a big scene <laughs> at supper. Hang on.
1: Well, that's just one of the, like, chiropractors know that stuff. Massage therapy, Mm-mm. Like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sure. (laughs) I was going to interject with, they've only been married nine days and they're already having these arguments? Was this not something like warning signs that
1: Karen saw beforehand? It's a pretty typical honeymoon phase, I'd say. Yeah. Lots of arguing.
0: Yeah, that's the honeymoon phase. Mm. In the early hours of February 13th, after the argument about the dessert fork at supper, Karen was upset and decided that she wanted to go take a jog on the upper deck on the rubberized track.
1: Um, This must be a pretty large ship then.
0: Yes. I do have a photo of the ship that I will, we can include on our social media for you guys to see. But Scott decided that he was going to go on a jog with her. This was about midnight and around 3am, Scott comes running into this other room, two floors down to report that Karen had been blown over the railing by a gust of wind.
1: Seems likely. Uh,
0: how strong are the winds? Exactly. Now remember that Karen was only five three, and the railing was about three foot six inches tall
2: and I've been on some cruise ships and I'm five foot one and three quarters, and the railings all come up to like where I can easily rest
0: my elbows on them.
1: yeah I'm about I'm, my shoulders I'm height. slightly over six foot, so that's still over half of my height yeah so this that seems a little strange, but okay.
0: So, as you can imagine, the wind would have had to been probably like hurricane speed and lifted her up and threw her over while she was jogging.
2: Was there any sort of, like, wind
0: advisory or... Like,
1: were there storms nearby or... Yeah.
0: There were not. The Coast Guard okay. reported okay. that wind gust, the gust of winds, not just the regular wind, was not over five miles per hour at any point in the night.
1: So, really not gusts at all.
0: No. no. It was... Not Wendy. This rose some questions amongst the crew, and they were a little concerned. So they did bring Scott into a room. People went up and checked to see if they could find her, but Karen was nowhere to be found. Another thing raising questions, Scott had scratches, about three scratches across his
1: face. And also, like, if, assuming it had just happened and he went to go tell people, I feel like cruise ships don't move all that fast. So Correct. she should, like, she should be close Fairly close to the ship, assuming that. And if he quickly went to tell people.
0: If you remember, it said that she'd been swimming her whole life, so she would have just fallen over. You would think that she'd be able to swim. Yeah, she was athletic. Also, the ship officers did report that the seas were running smoothly that night. That's a quote. They said smoothly, not
1: fighting waves. No, not at all. So at this point, it seems like if you know. If there was, you know, foul play, he might have thrown her over, waited for a while, and then said, hey, where is she? Got blown over.
0: Yes. cause That would explain the scratches. And if you remember, they went up to jog around midnight, and it wasn't until 3 a.m. to reported it. And I don't know about you, but I'm not running for three hours after midnight. Yeah. That's not a typical jog.
2: No. Unless she, you're... She did run 10 miles every day, or walk 10 miles every day. So... Hmm. Maybe an hour, two hours, maybe they stopped to talk for a while.
1: Either sure. way, That's something kinda... suspicious has happened. Yes.
0: Cracks. It is odd. When asked about the scratches, Scott says when he lunched to try and save her, he hit his head on a Gainway control box, which I don't know if you guys know, I didn't know what a gangway was. Mm-mm. That's what uh, goes down so passengers can board the ship and leave the ship. So okay. the control box, which I couldn't find any specific photos, I would imagine would be like a electrical box type thing. Anyway, the box that he said he hit his head on and somehow got three scratches from was mm-hmm. investigated. There was no blood on it, no hair, and it didn't seem like it had any parts that would cause three scratches right. across your face.
1: So At that point, it just looks <laughs> like finger scratches.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um he did later say that the scratches came from earlier in the night when they had sex and it was from a passionate scratch. So I guess? he's
1: changed it twice now?
0: Yes, that's something we will find out about Scott. He is all over the board with what happened. Not really believing him. After they docked in San Diego, investigators and cops are called in immediately like something's up. Cause when they talk to him, he changes his story. And he says that they were both jogging and he got tired. So he stopped and Karen ran ahead. And when he was like resting, I think it was shoe. It said specifically, he heard her yell for him and he ran to her and he saw her hanging from the railing. And before he could get to her, she slipped and fell. Which
2: caused the scratches on his face.
0: He is still claiming at this point that the scratches on his face were from hitting his head on the box while he was lunging.
1: So he switched back to the first one? He
0: switches back and forth, yes. Okay,
1: so, right.
0: Now he's going into more detail than a gust of wind blew her off, I guess. So now he's realizing that the gust of wind is
2: not going to hold up. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Trying to
0: picture this in my head. It's right. not so, quite adding up. So
1: at this point, is he still trying to convince people that wind blew her off, or does he realize that's kind of nonsense now?
0: I think he's starting to realize it's nonsense. I couldn't find specifically if he was still saying the wind blew her off, or if now he was saying she tripped. Because my tripped impression, and yeah.
1: Just toppled over a <laughs> tri-
0: toppled over a railing over half of her height. Well somehow grabbed on and hung there for a minute. Was athletic and not able to pull herself up, which I think is odd for how athletic she was. Like,
1: so clumsy, even though she does Tai Chi and all these sports and, like, just trips and falls over the side of a boat. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15.
0: About half a day later, on the afternoon of Saturday, February 13th, officials found Karen's body floating in the water about 30 miles off the coast of San Diego. The official cause of death was drowning. However, there were hemorrhages in her neck and eyes, warping of her neck bones, which all suggested evidence of manual strangulation. It was noted that her body was kept afloat by air that was trapped in her clothing. If she had attempted to swim after entering the water, the air would likely have been forced out. So this suggests that she was unconscious when she hit the water. That makes sense. So they're concluding that she was strangled, possibly passed out, and then got thrown over.
2: Did they do a toxicology report? Like, did you find that?
0: I assume they did i was not able to find it anywhere i would guess though that if it were severe enough that maybe they would have included it in reports
2: i only ask because like on a cruise ship drinking is a big part of it you yes can't go anywhere without somebody offering you alcohol or there being a bar
0: around the corner i agree i would also say though it seems a little odd to get drunk and then go on a jog I would agree. Um, I mean, that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. But maybe people like to do that. I know that when I drink
2: alcohol, I tend to stumble around and can fall a lot.
0: Well, it was not reported. So we're just going to, I guess, assume that it wasn't severe enough that she would have fallen over the railing. Okay. They also found material from the jogging track embedded in her clothing, which suggests that she was pressed to the deck with considerable force.
1: Oh, wow. So even after falling and all the floating in the water, they still found... Yes. Wow.
0: So it was
1: impacted in there. So potentially strangulating her against the floor of this track, and then Mm -hmm. when she's unconscious...
0: Possibly knocked down and then strangling her. Hmm. Um, I did see... Also, in one or two reports that she had bruising on her face, um, I didn't find it in a lot of them, so I wasn't 100% certain on that. I would imagine that it would be likely that she would have some. Now, they went up to where she allegedly fell over or was blown over on the track, and they did find one of her earrings and some of her hair embedded on the track. They knew it was her earring because her and Scott had taken a photo from earlier at supper, which had the same earrings.
1: I mean, if there's strong enough winds, it could blow your earring right out.
0: <laughs> but they
2: already concluded that the winds weren't that
0: strong. True. <laughs> what I have noticed with all of his stories is none of it adds up. Um, it's all, a, it's just enough confusing that we're like, hold on. But even through all this, Roston was insisting that he loved his wife and he did not hurt her, it was an accident. However, Karen's mother, Roberta, had some reservations. She talked about the first time that she met Scott and how he brought her roses from his garden and went on and on about how much she loved her daughter. However, Roberta says that she thought he was too perfect not a hair out of place, perfect physique, and looked like as if he had a lot of money, but she knew that he didn't. Her suspicions about her future son-in-law troubled her so much that she had Karen's engagement ring checked because she was convinced that it wasn't a diamond ring and that it was cubic zirconia, which we found out, or she found out, was true, that it was not actually a diamond.
2: So he just got this facade going.
0: Yes. Yes. He was trying to play off that he had a lot of money. He was well off, and everything was great. Scott was arrested in Long Beach by federal authorities on suspicion of murder, and was held without bail. Um, once he was in custody, though, he decided he's going to change his story again and tell what really happened. Air quotes. So this is his third story, just to keep. Yes. Okay. All right.
1: Now you've got me. I guess I'll tell the truth. Yeah.
0: Okay. So now are you ready? Mm-hmm. Scott claims that Karen was murdered by Israeli agents. What? Agents
1: that have what hijacked the cruise ship?
0: We'll and get only there. Went after Karen. <laughs> right. Yes, we will get there. At this point, Scott has been in custody for a couple of days, and from his holding cell he writes a new account of what happened that night. He is telling people now that Israeli agents murdered his wife in retaliation to a book he had written called Nightmare in Israel, which was published in 1987.
1: So they're killing her and not just killing him?
0: For revenge, (laughs) he says. Hmm. Let me tell you a little bit about Scott's book. He recounts a supposed two months that he spent in an Israeli jail and mental hospital. So in 1978, Rawson and his parents immigrated to israel to open a chiropractic clinic and he claims he was in a jail and hospital where he was drugged and brutalized because he refused to be bribed those were his own words into marrying a neighbor's niece and was entrapped by a blackmail threat against his parents from
2: the israeli
0: israeli ages? mafia I- israeli he mafia. says okay which he also says that it was the government who was after him because he said once they learned of his book that he had outwitted them and knew too much about the government and too many secrets and that they were gonna retaliate against him
1: so at that point if they think he knows too much what's the point of getting rid of just somebody he loves like So at that point, then there's revenge on the revenge. Like if you really know stuff, you shouldn't know. Yes. Mm -hmm. He
0: also claimed that at the time, even the Israel Prime Minister feared him. However, just because of the book, because of what he wrote in the book. Okay. Now I will tell you, at the time of Karen's death, his book had sold one copy
1: to a specific person that's relevant or just the fact that it he doesn't really say didn't sell but
0: he was saying it was getting out there it was so widely known all these tactics that these Israeli agents were using against him that he needed to be made an example of basically however only one of his books had sold
2: so if my husband wrote a book okay i'd probably go and buy it
0: yeah Just to be supportive. Uh, If I wrote a book, I'd probably buy one. And his parents were a part of his life, so that book could very well have been
1: purchased by them.
2: However, by some random non-Israeli
0: mafia person. Someone wanted to
1: infiltrate the Israeli government.
0: You know, it's not on the bestsellers list. People are not reading this book. Scott also in his book claims that he was released from this prison and mental hospital because he pretended to have a mental breakdown and acted like and this is a direct quote eight-year-old so they couldn't take me to trial so in his words they decided that he got to go back to the United States and be released
2: all right so hang on a second I'm seeing a lot of plot holes here so I want to discuss some of this a little bit (laughs) I don't even know what to ask first so his parents and him immigrated to Israel. Yes. And they opened up a clinic. And yes. what made the government want to so, take him?
1: somebody wants him to marry this random person that's really not significant in any way. But it's not his parents. Like, his parents are like, this is our tradition. You need to marry this person. It's just randomly the Israeli government that is trying to enforce this on a specific random person. And when he disagrees...
0: They put him in prison,
1: right? Is that like is that where this is? Is that what he's saying?
0: That's basically what he's saying, and he throws in the Israeli mafia at some point. I have not read the book, um, but from all the descriptions, it it's not making a whole lot of sense.
1: I mean, I don't doubt. I mean, there's a lot of religions and countries where you are expected to marry yeah. a certain person, but typically that's like the family. That like the parents choose who you marry or something, but suddenly the government stepping in, deciding who people are married. Like, I'm not familiar with heritage and how that works, but this whole thing seems strange, especially if he's going to Israel in a book or something, but, like, they just send him back to America? I don't know. It's just, all of it's bizarre to me.
2: Now, okay, so he moved there with his parents. Did his parents, like, ever say that they knew anything about, like, him missing for this time that he was in the prison.
1: You're like, what are they doing about it? (laughs) Yeah. Like, if he's taken to some jail or prison or institution, whatever, they're just like, all right, that's what you get for not marrying this. Like, I don't know.
0: Well... And where does this niece come in? Yeah. I, you know, it's all a little goofy to me, but like I said, I have read the book. I don't know what of his claims are true. What we do know is that him and his parents came back to the United States and... In March, so March, he was
1: released from this, the whole family went back? Yes. Okay.
0: Released with all of this knowledge that he shouldn't have. Yes. According to him, he knows all these things and yeah. human rights violations. And, and it
1: wasn't until he wrote this bestseller book <laughs> that they were like, time to step in and kill, kill your, your wife? wife on a cruise yeah. ship. Because
2: you're the one with the knowledge, but I'll kill I her know.
0: instead.
1: The one buyer must have just been the leader of the mafia of Israel.
0: I guess. But I do have something else to tell you. uh In March of 1987, Roston's parents filed a police report in Palm Beach County, Florida. Roston, Scott, told them that he was in the parking lot of a shopping mall and two Israeli agents tried to kidnap him. Apparently, they showed up in a white van and grabbed Scott, proclaimed in Hebrew, Israel one seal. Scott says... He was able to break free and grab a gun that he kept in his Toyota. And then he claims to have shot one of the captors and escaped. However, let me guess, the body was not found. There was no further evidence into that claim. And then he later is reporting this alleged attack to the Palm Beach Post and says, quote, Israel took its best shot and they blew it, end quote.
1: So I think he's trying to follow the tactic of the more bizarre I can make this sound, the more believable it's gonna be, just because it's so outlandish. How could anybody make that up? Yeah.
0: What I find odd is that this started, cause this report happened a year before Karen's death. The, of the white van? Yes. Oh. So.
2: Was the book released at this point?
0: It was about the same time he released the book. And I almost wonder if he made this up to try and gain some publicity for his book to sell more. That's just my theory. That's fair. I didn't see that reported anywhere. That's a thought I had. Well, I mean, it makes sense.
1: So he's making these public statements about yes. it at this point. So he's trying to make it believable that now he's like really instigating this mafia into retaliating again. Yes. So he's doing a decent job with these random details, but overall it seems a little strange. It's
0: It's got a lot of holes in it. Yeah. More holes than a fishing net. Okay.
1: okay that's
2: enough Erica how dare you there's a little fishing (laughs) net so how did he explain lying about what happened to begin with
0: Scott claims that when he first told the story about Karen being blown off the deck that it was from a drug induced hallucination Mm -hmm. and claims that the Israeli agents drugged him and then murdered karen
1: so they're going to the extent of drugging him so he doesn't know what's going on instead of just killing him
0: i guess or like
1: he's drugged enough at 3 a.m to be confused but then also when they dock and ask him again what happened or is did he or is this where he's telling his story that's because you said he's been in like incarcerated for like more than a day yes so like when is he telling this new story when news. he was first docked, and they asked him, or now that he's being been held for a while,
0: he, he's telling this new story now that he has been held for a while. And I
1: and just now the hallucinations. Yes, are wearing, just oh. now. I guess that's my apparently,
0: point. Apparently, and while he was drugged, he was
2: coherent enough to tell an entire story. According that was to a him,
0: lie. His he says, "quote I was not able to control my reasoning." End quote.
1: So he. Ho- I guess the question is, so he hallucinated something that didn't happen. Why does he just not still believe that? Like, once the drug goes away, suddenly he can re-see what happened if he really hallucinated something that didn't happen.
2: Well, it's like if you're roofied. You don't...
1: I don't know what that's like. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean...
1: But, like, if you're... If you're halluc- I mean, like, if he is hallucinating some... It's not like the, like I'm seeing weird effects in front of my eyes. It's like I'm really seeing my wife get thrown over the edge. Like, he sees something happen in his mind, but now, he's re-seeing it for exactly what it was. That just seems weird if it's like a real hallucination and a real memory that the drug gave him. But now, suddenly, that's just, I don't know.
0: You know, those thoughts are what all investigators and prosecutors had as well. And they end up charging him with second degree murder. Which, understandable. Fair. Um, He went to trial in February of 1989 and his defense decides they're not going to try to refute medical evidence or any passenger testimonies. Remember that they were saying that they heard them fighting um, and it seemed a little tense. About the dessert fork. Yes. Instead, the defense decides that they're going to roll with the story that Israeli agents came and murdered Karen. They claim that... These kind of things just happen in, quote, the world of international intrigue, end quote. And they point to the fact that there were records showing that there were two Israeli nationalists on the cruise ship at the time of the murder. And they go check into these
1: passengers. I was just going to say that would have been my next step.
0: Yes. And one of the passengers, Maurice Hazisa, and I apologize if I did not uh, pronounce that correct, actually comes and testifies that him and the other passenger, Emil Yaron, had been uh, visiting Disneyland and Universal Studios and then took the cruise to complete their vacation after photographing a friend's wedding. And this was later verified. Um, They also point out, as we mentioned earlier, that Scott's book had only sold one copy, and that it probably wasn't that well known.
1: So why were these passengers relevant?
0: Basically because of their nationality.
1: So it's confirmed that they are, like, from Israel, or...? Like, yes. why did they randomly come forward to say, yeah, we were in Disney? Like, what made that relevant?
2: That was their, alab- like, their reasoning for being oh,
1: on so the cruise. Oh, yeah. so they questioned them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought they just randomly. I'm
0: assuming they were called to the stand. Yes. Prosecution gotcha. reached out to them and said, hey, what were you guys up to? And they're like, we're just on vacation, man, and taking photos for our friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, after all this, the jury is not sold on the Israeli agent's story and they find Scott guilty of second degree murder on the high seas, and he is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, with the judge stating that, quote, this is one of the cruelest crimes this court has ever seen. It is the court's hope that the defendant never be released, end quote.
1: So is is second degree murder on the high seas, like, is that specific enough that it's a totally separate charge? Like, is that worse?
0: I believe so, because because they were out and not in a specific state instantly the fbi was involved to investigate it
1: and it's also i guess like i don't know it could be harder to find the body just overall it's it's more disrespectful to like a body just throw it in the sea than just like i feel like there's just extra details that are worse than just killing them on land somewhere
0: i think it definitely has to do with jurisdiction and i think it was important that it was the FBI who handled it.
2: Well, nowadays it's actually based on the state that the cruise docks out of.
0: No. Okay. So if the cruise is like leaving oh, okay. Florida, they're uh, gonna follow Florida laws.
1: No matter where the boat goes. No matter
0: where the boat goes. Well, they did end up. Uh, he served his time in California, as you remember. They found her body off San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, but our story does not end there. Our story continues with the details of Scott's appeals to his verdict. So, Scott is saying that the trial court had erred in failing to instruct the jury that it could have convicted him of a lesser offense of voluntary manslaughter. He's stating that it could have the jury could have been persuaded that there is sufficient evidence of provocation by the victim to arouse a reasonable and ordinary person to kill her. So what this means is scott basically they're dropping the israeli agent thing and now they're saying there is evidence that karen and him were fighting and it she scratched him and it caused him to snap and involuntarily murder her and that is his appeal because this would carry a lesser sentence
1: so he's basically saying he was treated unfairly that the jury immediately jumped to What the worst case scenario could be instead of there's other alternatives that maybe could give him a lesser sentence.
0: Correct. He's now claiming there was a physical altercation and it was a heat of the moment thing and it could have been a death that was involuntary. So what's the
2: theory for why he lied about it for...
1: At this this point, he's just grabbing at strings. Like, like this story didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. So, like, give me a break. It was an accident. Yes.
0: (laughs) He knows he has been sentenced to life in prison without parole. And he is trying to figure out, how do I get out of this?
1: Yeah.
0: And the appellate court reads over the arguments about, and I kid you not, they specifically talk about using the dessert fork. Mm Mm-hmm instead and they're they they talk about it you know and they decide yeah that's not um altercation enough to provoke a reasonable and ordinary person to kill
1: yeah not sufficient for murder
0: yes
1: (laughs) was he saying that there could have been something else because he claimed there was a physical confrontation that maybe that could have yeah i think at this point it doesn't seem like he's given any details about it
0: yeah, what Scott, I think, is trying to say now is basically, they were fighting at supper, the argument pursued, she scratched him in the face, and then they brawled, and she ended up getting...
1: Over the side Yes, go.
0: <laughs> Basically. And the argument is that that should have been brought up as a possibility in the original trial, and he could have been convicted of involuntary manslaughter instead.
2: Right. Did it say anywhere if she had, like, a life insurance policy that he was maybe originally trying to go after with killing her.
0: Actually, I did not read that anywhere.
2: It I would assume so much. Now yeah. Is.
0: I would assume since they were married, um, that could have been possibly some type of motive. It happened nine days after they got married. Yes. That's what made me think of it. I can't understand a lot of his reasonings.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. But cause there, there's gotta be some sort of strange motive to kill her. Like to go through the process of marriage and going on a cruise together and falling in love, yeah. apparently so quickly, but then to just snap so quickly that you kill a person. Like I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a characteristic that you have for most, if not all, of your life. And then to all of a sudden it happened. It seems like there's got to be other motive, and that that makes sense. That could be possible.
0: I would absolutely be interested in reading some type of psychology report or something about how he was growing up in years Mm -hmm. leading up to this. Um, I know that him and Karen had connected over recent uh, breakups, but I could not find reports on the details of it or how severe it was or anything like that. However, the Court of Appeals, they kind of, they're like, I don't agree with this. So they sustained the conviction, but, They say that he can be resentenced because the trial court applied the penalty required under the federal sentencing guidelines for first degree murder. Now, remember, he was only convicted of second degree. So they resentenced him.
1: Which, real quick, what is the main difference between first and second degree?
0: First degree means
2: that it was premeditated, and second degree means it wasn't premeditated, but it was intentional, whereas involuntary manslaughter means that something accidentally
1: gotcha. happened. Yes. Okay, so it, it's more about the intention and the planning. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: In November of 1944, Scott Rawson was resentenced to a term of 33 years and nine months. I will not make you guys do the math, but his release date was July 8th, 2017.
1: That's, you- that's very recent
0: that's very recent about
1: two years ago <laughs> almost exactly yeah
0: yeah do you know if he was like actually released on the 8th was he released before that i have tried to do my best stalking as far as i know he was released and that is where the trail ends and he is out and about somewhere living his life email us at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com for questions or to suggest cases that you would like us to cover Also, check out our Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast and our Instagram at Crime Over Coffee.